You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. It is the Canadian Football League. That's what I think. Wouldn't it? Couldn't it be like Canadian Football League? Like we're going to totally embrace the, the Calgary heel aspect. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we're a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Brazilian Thai. Grey Cup Week is officially here, and uh, you broke your, what, six-week-long detox on Saturday night. How you feeling, buddy? Uh, I feel like a hot bag of garbage. How are you going to make it through Grey Cup? Uh, well, what I need to do is continue to keep drinking, and then that <laughs> way, by the time Grey Cup rolls around, I'll have built my tolerance back up. What kind of shape are you going to be in for two and out live? Terrible. <laughs> so like par for the course. <laughs> par for the course. Two and out live is happening Thursday. CK. Two and out live is happening Thursday. CKUA building downtown Edmonton. Let me tell you, it is right on Jasper Avenue, right across the street from the Shaw Conference Center, right around the corner from the Spirit of Edmonton. We are going to have a ton of fun Thursday afternoon. So the doors open at three o'clock. Uh, the show's gonna we're gonna go to about four thirty, and the show's gonna start at three thirty. But a lot of changes have happened. Since the last time we have recorded <laughs> that's an episode. Un- that is an understatement. <laughs> okay, so we know the Grey Cup participants. So we're going to have Janine there. She's uh, from the Mouchoir podcast. She's going to represent our nation. Uh, we're going to have Ryan Ballantyne from Horseman Radio, a member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, he was on Big Brother Canada. So we got uh, we got a celebrity uh, coming to uh, grace us with his presence at 2 and Out Live on Thursday. And the main event, it is going to be two-time Grey Cup champion, defensive lineman for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Zach Evans, taking me on in a pierogi eating competition. <laughs> let me let me tell you what, man. Z- Zach is taking this seriously. If you go to his Twitter account, he has the strongest GIF game I have ever seen. He is destroying everyone, and he is officially in my head. I am worried. <laughs> oh, he is in your kitchen for sure. <laughs> I do not know if I have a chance at this, but we're going to give it a shot, and we're raising money for CFL fans fight cancer. We are going to have a ton of fun. So if you want to lock in your advance tickets, if you're planning to come, lock in your advance tickets to and out live.eventbrite.ca. You can uh, you can see the link up on our Facebook page, uh, on our Twitter account at to and out CFL. It is all there. Uh, so if you want to lock in your tickets in advance, uh, make sure you do that. You go there. I understand some people don't like to buy stuff online. Tickets will be available at the door 
suggested donation. That's what we're going to do. We're kind of going to have the Montreal swear jar set up there. Uh, drop a couple bucks in there. We'll donate it to CFL fans fight cancer. We're not going to turn away anybody at the door. If you want to come see two and out live Thursday at the CKUA building, you can do that. Just show up there. The doors open at three o'clock, drop a couple bucks in the hat. If you can, uh, for CFL fans fight cancer. But if you want to guarantee yourself a seat and you want to be in the audience, buy your tickets in advance to an outlive.eventbrite.ca. We have a fun show planned, Brazilian tie. And you know what? There are now three items of two and out clothing in existence. I have one, you have one, and somebody at two and out live is going to have another one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still can't believe that we put our names on a shirt. <laughs> so if you don't mind wearing a shirt that says Brazilian tie, that says Travis Curra, uh somebody there is going to win that, and we might have something else up our sleeve as well. So uh, how are we going to give that away? we got to figure that out, don't we? Yeah, like, like we could just give it to my mom because she <laughs> it is confirmed 100% she's going to be there. So I'm really excited about that. You sound like it. Oh, yeah. This might be a little bit of an after effect of last night as well. Um, <laughs> well, I opened it. To, like I got I got over to mom and dad's today when I got home uh, from Saskatoon. And yeah. I opened my mail. And I'm like, oh, I got a T-shirt and my, my hoodie's here. And my dad's like, oh, well, let's see that T-shirt. Show me. He's like, oh, what did you guys get that for? I'm like, oh, we're going to give it away at our live show. He's like, oh. Well, why don't you just give it away to me right now? I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that'll that'll go over well. Brazilian tie, you know what else I just realized? Uh-oh. This is the first show we are going to oh, be doing yeah. in the same room. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, like, I don't want people to think that we've never met or we have no idea who each other are. We went to school together. And yeah. we, we, we really did a really good job of keeping that secret in the first year. <laughs> <laughs> so but, yeah i don't know if we're gonna be able to do it like, it's gonna be weird we're gonna be able to see each other and i might I'm leave gonna, the room i'm gonna make you laugh and then it's just gonna it's gonna snowball from there and it will never be able to recover well that's what being live's all about baby if we fall <laughs> off the rails <laughs> we fall off the rails if you can't make it to the gray cup we are hoping to have that show on our feed um you know I don't know, two, three hours after the show ends. I'll do my best to get it all up. Yeah, you, on you'll there. be editing. I'll be at Spirit of Edmonton. Yes, I will be working. <laughs> and then by the time I'm done, the, the lineup will be three hours long for Spirit of Edmonton. Yeah. And I won't get in. And I'll already so, be out there kissing hands and shaking babies. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca Alright, and one more note. I think we're going to go live on our Facebook page for the uh, pierogi eating competition. So at two and out CFL on Facebook, give us a like there. We will go live and you will have that viewing pleasure uh, right at your fingertips. Let's talk about the Eastern final where the Ottawa Red Blacks walk all over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. There is 
No other way to put this. 46-27 the final score. At halftime, it was 27-13 Ottawa. And you know what? It could have been a lot worse. It it almost just seems like the, the first half is the only thing that we really need to focus on in this game because the second half, I mean... It wasn't any different, but let's just start with talking about the quarterbacks here. And there's been a bit of a debate leading up to this game if Trevor Harris maybe deserved the MOP nod or if Jeremiah Mazzoli did. And you know what? Trevor Harris came into this game with a massive chip on his shoulder. I think the MOP thing happened. And then there was... A rumbling in the CFL community within the media that maybe Harris can't win the big game. And he did an interview on Wednesday. It was quite funny. He's like, you guys think I'm like 0-50 in October and 0-34 in the playoffs. I've played one game. So then he comes into this game, 29 of 32, 367 yards, and six touchdowns, a playoff record in the Canadian Football League. There is nothing he could have done better in this game. It was nothing short of incredible, his performance here. And his quarterback rating of 158.3, he had the perfect game. Yeah, there, there was nothing to be better, yeah. Uh, the one, the picture of success, though, was, you know how many times Delvin Bro got targeted? Zero. I'm <laughs> so wow. keep the ball keep the ball away from Delvin Bro. You got a chance to have a big game. Uh, the the Ty Cats just had no answer uh, for the Red Blacks offense this, this afternoon. And it wasn't just you know Spencer Sinopoli, Ellingson. There were ten receivers that had a catch in this one. Marco Dubois had his first touchdown in the Canadian Football League. I mean, uh, Greg Ellingson had 144 yards, but Brendan Gillanders had himself a touchdown. Dominique Rimes got involved. Uh, the fullback, J.C. Bolio ended up having himself a touchdown. I mean, <laughs> the offense in this one was amazing, and I, I think leading up into this game, there was some talk that the Hamilton Tiger Cats had themselves an average um, rush defense, but the William Powell, he, he had a, a long of 13 yards, but he had 21 carries for 86 yards. They really didn't need to use him until... You know, uh, it was in the fourth quarter, and they needed to kill some clock. They just absolutely dominated uh, Hamilton in every single way. And it's not to say that the Tiger Cats came out flat. The intensity in this game was probably the most intense game we have seen uh, in the CFL this season. And I don't know if this sounds crazy, but it's almost like the Ticats were a little too intense and a little too emotional and a little too fired up to rein it in here. Yeah, and, you know, you have to be able to use your emotions uh, to your advantage. And they just seemed, they were they were super amped up, uh, fired up for this game, and, and you know, they weren't able to harness that emotion. And they just, they, they got outplayed and early. And we said last week that, you know, they would have to have a good start. And, you know, every drive ending in field goals while you know eventually once the Ottawa offense got rolling which didn't take them long they were getting touchdowns and it just once they were up by 10 you're like this one's over because Hamilton couldn't make anything happen on the defensive side of the ball 
uh, Braylon Addison had himself a bright game um, on the offense, and that was about it. So he had 12 12 catches on 15 targets, Mm -hmm. 129 yards. But Noel Thorpe and his game plan was able to really shut down the rest of the offense. Jeremiah Mazzoli had 28 completions on 41 attempts, 315 yards and a touchdown, but three interceptions on the day, and some of them were real bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, just bad throws from Mazzoli, throwing off the back foot. He was rattled in this one, and I, we're, we're, I, I know he's been in the league for a while, but he doesn't have all that much playoff experience himself. They went into a hostile environment in TD Place, and uh, I think it got to them. Maybe <laughs> they just were riding too high off of that blowout against BC last week, and Thought they would uh, walk into Ottawa and have an easier time, but th- that offense without Brandon Banks clearly doesn't work. No, uh, he is definitely the straw that stirs the drink, uh, suffice to say. So, you know, without him there, it doesn't open up a lot of other options. Uh, you know, you can kind of key in on guys like Luke Tasker and Mike Jones and take them. They basically took them out of the game. I mean, Luke only had 67 yards on five catches. Jones, yeah. 25 yards and a touchdown on three catches. Like, you know, yeah, Braylon Addison was targeted 15 times. The next highest guy, there was three of them, Buren, Tasker, and Mike Jones, they were only targeted five times each. And so, it, like, becoming one-dimensional again because, you know, you're just throwing to the guy that's replacing Brandon Banks. It's not going to work. So Mike Jones had himself a beautiful touchdown catch at the end of the first half. And I said in the last episode of Two and Out that Ottawa's advantage here is their coaching. And at the end of the first half, it really reared its ugly head here that June Jones, they they managed the clock horribly. It It was was basically Andy Reid. It was first down with 12 seconds left on about the five-yard line, and they let the clock run to zero, then called the timeout, so they had to go for a touchdown to get back into this game with no time on the clock, and it was this close to being an incomplete pass. There was no reason they didn't have the time to at least take two shots into the end zone there. That you're not setting yourself up for success. Uh, it, it ended up working out, but I mean, it just shows. Yeah, it did. It, it just shows that you know the coaching staff in Ottawa compared to almost every other team in the league, maybe save for uh, Calgary. But like you guys got guys like Rick Campbell and and you know the guys that they have there and Noel Thorpe, like they're so like they're just there's so much. They're on a different level than everybody else, it seems. I mean, this is going to be Ottawa's third Grey Cup trip in five years. Like, it's crazy how far they've come. And a lot of it is, you know, the coaching staff that they have and the front office and these guys. And it's just game in, game out, consistently good coaching. And you don't see mistakes like the one June Jones made from that group. I saw a Ryder fan say that they are cheering for Calgary because... In five years of existence, the Ottawa Red Blacks could have half as many Grey Cups as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in, you know, 108 years or whatever Mm. it is. (laughs) 
it, that just shows. I mean, Ottawa cannot let Rick Campbell go. This guy, uh, and you know what? He's got it in his blood. Uh, he's he's got a pretty good lineage of yeah. uh, CFL coaching acumen in there. But that touchdown that Hamilton scored at the end of the first half. Maybe the Ticats shouldn't have been in that position if it weren't for an absolutely boneheaded decision by Jonathan Rose of the Ottawa Red Blacks. So he makes a high tackle out of bounds, basically drags the the, the receiver down by his head out of bounds, but then it got worse. This was 45 seconds left in uh, the second quarter. He ended up, there was a melee that ensued. He ended up shoving over an official and got disqualified from the game. And there was zero reason for any of it, um, intentional or not. Like, I, I, I assume some people are going to argue that he didn't know it was an official and maybe, you know, there was a Ticats player standing behind the official that ended up, you know, falling over. But there was... Zero, zero reason for that whole sequence to happen in the first place. You're you're up by you know three scores, and you play like that. That was an idiotic move, and there's I don't think there's any other way to put it. No, uh, it's like these guys, like the refs are not professional athletes. They do not play the game of football. That you can't, you cannot physically harm zero equipment on zero equipment on like you got to be smarter in that situation. And for the people that think that he didn't do it on purpose, go back and watch it. He pushed him. And, and to say, well, maybe he didn't know he was an official. That, and no, I'm not buying it. I refuse to buy it. Um, and so, like, 15 yards and you get 25 for the for the disqualification and, and then puts him down into the Red, into Red Blacks territory. And, you know, if it wasn't for that, um, then... I mean, Hamilton might have been able to get down there, but with the time, and, and we saw how they managed the clock late. <laughs> um, you know, it, it. I. The only reason I thought it was going to be a game changer, I didn't think momentum was really going to shift all that much, but that they would have to put a rookie in to play defensive half, and he'd get picked on, and, yeah. and that's what I was kind of expecting. It didn't really happen that way, or th- that much. Um, like, it's. But yeah, it's just boneheaded. To, to do that, I, I don't get it. You know, we can talk about this now, you know, when the Red Blacks, you know, the final score, the way it is. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it it could have been a momentum swing heading into the third quarter. But, I mean, props go to Trevor Harris and the Red Blacks offense because they came right back out in the third quarter and answered with a touchdown drive. They didn't allow that momentum to continue for Hamilton at all. Nope, uh, you know they they took a little bit of a hit there and just got right back up and and punched right back and and there was just nothing this offense couldn't do today. It, it was just it was awesome to watch. So then in this game, it was the first game of the playoffs where they had themselves an eighth official on the field to be watching for you know headshots on quarterbacks and things like that. There ended up being a helmet-to-helmet situation on Jeremiah Mazzoli, on Avery Ellis. But 
when you go back and watch the play, Jeremiah Mazzoli kind of did a spin move, turned around, and then it was head-to-head with the defender. What's the defender supposed to do? I got to say, man, I would hate to be an official in this league, and I would hate to be a defender because you you got to make that call in a split second. I, I can't say if I was standing on the field that, you know, I wouldn't throw the flag myself, but you go back and you watch the play and it's head to head contact. And that was getting called all last year. So I, Mm. I don't know what you do in that situation. Uh, I I don't know what you can do. Like, I mean, this rule, it needs to be black and white. It needs to be. Yeah. Like if there's contact, there's contact and that's it. Um, You know, we don't want to start making it a judgment call and then that's when stuff is going to get missed. Uh, so it, it kind of sucks in that way. Uh, but the one thing, everybody jumped on Twitter right away and was so upset. And, oh, see, this is what, we knew this is what would happen with the 8th official and yada, yada, yada. The 8th official didn't even make that call. That was Andre Pru who threw the flag. So yep. that 8th official didn't come in come into account on that one. So, I I mean, it. I, I'd like the idea. It's a knee-jerk reaction. Um. But at the same time, they need to do something. And, and so I, I'm guessing this rule is going to get changed in the offseason and it'll be uh, a command center issue instead of having that eighth official. But in, in situations like that, yeah, I, I don't know what Ellis is supposed to do there when Masoli just turned into him. Um, I, I've i always thought that if, if it's face mask to face mask, it shouldn't be yeah. uh, a penalty. Or if a defender hits with his face mask, I don't think that should be because you're not lowering, you're not hitting with the crown. Uh, it's not, it's not like it's malicious. So I mean stuff like that. But then again, you're bringing in judgment calls, and that just leads that's just going to lead you down a path where you don't want to go. And you know what? The, the CFL probably should have eight officials on the field anyway, because there are two more guys on the field at one time than uh, the American game, and the field's bigger. So you're 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 counting on the same amount of officials to cover that much more real estate and two more bodies so (laughs) i mean they did what they did but an eighth official overall i think does make sense and it 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 looked like you know in both games they had some uh, real officiating experience uh, on the field and i mean the more experience you can have uh, the better it was and you know what overall i thought that andre's crew uh, called a good game. Uh, there was really that only blemish. And uh, what I like about his crew is that they're very decisive and they know what's happening. Um, they don't, uh, you know, huddle and have their little meetings and slow the game up. They they make their decision and then they move on. So I will give them uh, props for that one. Um, last episode, we talked about field position being a uh, key in this game. Well, it turned out uh, Ottawa was the one working with the real short field. And when that happens, then <laughs> they're going to torch you. And that's what they did in this one. Uh, one more note. Lewis Ward's streak comes to an end uh, from 44 yards. And he actually missed an extra point as well. But they played a... Uh, feature on him in the uh, pregame show it was just awesome showing how he was you know security at the gray cup last year and it was just awesome the tenacity and the dedication lewis ward has shown to get back here it's probably good that the streak ended in a game like this than 
you know, <laughs> with the situation more dire. Um, the only thing is that the streak is still alive because it's a regular season record. So the regular season record will live until next year. You are yes. right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for him to, from where he was and, and, and you know, working, like you said, as a security guard, uh, it's just crazy that he just basically a walk-on kind of idea and, you know, sets a, sets a professional football record, not just CFL, but professional football as a whole. Uh, it's just amazing to watch this guy play football and to kick uh, and, you know, rightfully deserving of, of the most outstanding special teams and uh, rookie award nominations that he got, for sure. I kind of think the biggest question for the Hamilton Tiger Cats heading into the offseason is their coaching. Um, I'm not saying that June Jones and Jerry Glanville and company are bad coaches, but they are not options for the long haul. I, I don't know if there's an argument that or anybody that would say that they are options for the long haul. I want Jerry haul. Glanville to stick around for as yeah. long as possible. I like me some Jerry Glanville. <laughs> he His is the coolest man on planet Earth. <laughs> His defense got lit up in yeah. this one. Uh, but do you think the Tiger Cats make that move to Orlando Steinauer? Because you know that there are going to be other teams hey maybe bc taking a run at orlando steinauer in this offseason to get him on their sidelines um i think with the with the success that hamilton has had uh with june jones at the helm in the last two years uh, you know when he came in they were 0 and 8 or whatever it was 0 and 9 last year and you know this this football team has completely turned around uh you know they, yeah sure they finished below 500 uh this year but i mean they they still made the playoffs uh, they still won a playoff game. Uh, it's a huge turnaround from where they were uh, under Ken Austin. So I, I think I think they might they might stick with them. But like you mentioned, guys like Orlando Sinau are out there, uh, and you know could possibly be uh, dependent. I, it all it depends on this new coaching salary cap that's going to come in as well. Uh, that, that's going to be a huge effect on what happens in this offseason because guys aren't going to. The teams aren't going to have the room, uh, you know, to have two head coaches on the books if, if they have to get rid of one. Yeah, and I guess it's all up to June Jones. I, I think the Tiger Cats would probably welcome him back, but uh, it's up to him if he wants to stick around. And you know what? It, it kind of seems like he likes playing in the CFL, and he really wanted to get himself a great cup this year. So I think it's cool to see you know, coaches of that caliber, Glanville, um, Jones, wanting to win a championship up here and showing that, hey, it's not easy. No, and if it was easy, everybody would do it. Just ask Winnipeg. But... <laughs> Poor Bombers. <laughs> not too soon. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk to those bombers uh first we got to say thank you to park power they are a provider of electricity and natural gas in alberta that offers low rates awesome service and profit sharing with local charities uh in 2018 i think everybody likes to know where there's their money's going and more and more people want to keep their money in 
their own province, in their own city. So why not do that with Park Power? Because you're supporting a local company, and then in turn, they support uh, local charities. 10% of your bill is going to a charity? I absolutely love that. they got a calculator on their website showing how much savings you're going to have on your energy. So make that switch today, parkpower.ca. The website is parkpower.ca. So the Western Final... And it was much like last week, where the East Semi was a blowout, and then the western side of things was a defensive slugfest. And the Stampeders end up winning this one 22-14. They had two touchdowns in the second quarter, and that kind of changed the game here. Um, in the first quarter, the Bombers got themselves up to a 6 nothing lead, and they were controlling the line of scrimmage. At that point, uh, they looked like they were handling Calgary, and that wind was absolutely incredible. We had another uh, CFL playoff record with Justin Medlock kicking a 57-yarder. It looked like that would have been good from about 70. <laughs> this is, it's insane, that kick. <laughs> I, I said, "What? That's fifty-seven yards. It was incredible." I, I I looked away for like a minute as I was getting <laughs> stuff set up to watch wrestling after the game, and I hear it. I hear them say, "Good from fifty-seven yards," and I'm like, "I." You know, <laughs> it was like nothing. That, that's not a thing. I had to rewind it. I'm like, "There's no way this just happened." <laughs> and he did it. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's just, it's crazy. But after that 6 nothing lead in the first quarter, it just headed downhill for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Really, after the first quarter, the defensive line turned it on. Micah Johnson, Ja'Kerid Davis, Cordero Law, Junior Turner, they made it happen and they gave Winnipeg all kinds of fits and really took Andrew Harris out of the game, not only because... They uh, got a lead, uh, Calgary did, but they really started limiting him at points in the game. And you know what? I have to say, I expected more from the Winnipeg offense and Paul Lapalise. I I thought that they were not as creative as they were against Saskatchewan. And maybe it's because they lost that lead so quickly in the second quarter. Yeah. A guy like Nick Dembski should be getting more than three touches in a night. He should uh, be, yeah. And, and, you know, the, like you said, the defensive line for, for Calgary really got or was able to limit Andrew Harris. They they got in his head. Uh, you know, he was They looked up. like they were in his head. You're yeah, right. They, and they were, he was getting in the face of, of guys like uh, Micah Johnson and stuff and, you know, yelling at them. And they're just standing there like, what? And they're like, laughing at him. Yeah, we're better than you right now. You, like, look at the scoreboard, and yeah, it was. And we saw it at halftime too. Again, with the Sam Peters as the teams are heading off uh, for halftime. Uh, Michael Johnson in the middle surprise. of it. Yeah, huge surprise. A big shock to everybody, I'm sure. Uh, you know, and they 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 got in Winnipeg's head, and they just had no answer. Alex Singleton himself said that. When he started with the Stamps, he cannot, he couldn't talk to Micah Johnson on the field. He's a great guy off of it, but you put him on the field and he changes. He is a completely different guy. I would not want to go against him. No. And the the Winnipeg offensive line is the best in the league. They handled 
the Rough Rider front seven last week. But they got off to a good start in McMahon Stadium. But uh, I don't know what happened after the first quarter. They turned it on. And they won the game for the Stampeders. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like, to hold Matt, Nich- like, Matt Nichols 156 yards, no picks, no touchdowns. Like, that's not going to win you a football game under no. 50% uh, completion rating. Chris Trevler, the one pass he threw uh, when he overthrew Andrew Harris, you, you get one, maybe two of those chances in a game. You have to capitalize on those. The quarterback play wasn't very good for Winnipeg, and, you know, Calgary's defense just feasted on that today. I know Bomber fans, and you see some of them on Twitter, they were calling to leave, get Streveler in that game and get the offense moving, but even he was getting shut down on the short yardage, and when that's happening... It's just not working for the Bomber offense when they can't control things. Uh, uh, We'll say this about the Bomber offense. They don't do a lot of things good, but they do a few things great. And when they're working, (laughs) you can't stop them, and they just run all over you. But it wasn't happening here. And you're right. Strevler overthrowing Andrew Harris was huge. There was another overthrow where Adams was, or Darvin Adams yep. was missed on a deep play. When you get those opportunities against the Stampeders, you have to make them. And if you don't make them, you don't win. And really, I think that's what happened here. And, and you mentioned it too. Like this offense wasn't very creative today. Uh, we're used no, they to seeing, we're seeing Paul Police run. Uh, you know like some jet sweeps and, and pitches and little shovel passes uh, inside to guys like Nick Dembski and Weston Dresser as they come across and, and you know, get the defense moving uh, laterally and, and beat them to the edge. And, and we saw nothing of that today. And, you know, it, I, I don't know if that was the game plan coming in or if just maybe the situation dictated that they weren't going to do that, but they just could not get anything going, uh, you know. And, again, another game where, you know, one team's kicking field goals and one team's scoring touchdowns. Yeah, uh, and I think the 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 Bomber defense they didn't play bad, but I mean Adam Big Hill was not flying over all over the field like we had seen him leading up to this game. He did have his thumb in a cast, looked like a warrior. He did make uh, you know a few plays in the first half, but when the second half rolled around, they they couldn't do anything. And I, I know Bo Levi Mitchell is both the most popular player in the CFL and both the most unpopular player in the CFL, you know, other than maybe right Mike Riley, but he is so good in the pocket. You if if you do not get a clear shot at him for a sack, you will not sack him. And that's why I, I'm almost I'm almost blown away that he doesn't run more because he is so athletic. It, it, it seems like he knows where the defenders are at all times. And, I mean, if you don't get that clear shot and finish your sack, it's not happening. And I know that Jeff Code and the boys got to him a few times, but there were other times when Bo was just dancing around and ends up making the throw for, you know, a key second down conversion or something and just taking all the wind out of your sails. Yeah, in the pocket, Bo Levi Mitchell he has so much presence, and like you said, he knows where everybody is, uh, and, and he just sees he sees that defense develop. And like when he's in the pocket, he knows where the pressure is coming from. And almost seemingly before the defense has even you know decided who's blitzing, like Bo has already figured it out. 
like this his brains are or just off the charts when it comes to, to playing football at the quarterback position anyways. But, like, I have no problem with him not running because it keeps him from putting, you know, himself at risk and, and maybe getting yeah. injured. And we see that with guys like Mike Riley. Like, you know, when he runs, everybody kind of holds their breath because he, he doesn't slide. So, I mean, <laughs> he's taking a lot of extra <laughs> hits. Uh, you know, he might not – he could have a game with no sacks, but he's still getting hit four or five times when he runs draw plays. And you know what? You speak of, you know, guy getting hurt a little bit. Bo ended up on the sideline, and they were Mm -hmm. taking a look at his knee. And Bo ended up just saying that it scared him a little bit because he had issues with that earlier this season in a game. I believe it was against Edmonton. Uh, You know, the the Labor Day and the Labor Day rematch when Bo Mm -hmm. was banged up a little bit on that knee. Um that might be a story heading into Grey Cup week. We'll see how they manage that knee. Things just look okay for him. But speaking of knees that aren't 100%, Eric Rogers, six catches, 61 yards, but a hat trick, three touchdowns. All three of Bo Levi's touchdowns went to Eric Rogers, and that last touchdown of the game, it was an incredible catch. And, I mean, Bo or Rogers was just making these moves. They were just torching the bomber defenders, and I can't blame them. No, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It, it, what Rogers did in this game was absolutely amazing. The chemistry that these two have. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Eric Rogers was gone for two years. Yep. Uh, you know, and he comes back in and basically just fits right back into the offense. Uh, like, he never, like, he never skipped a beat, and it showed today, like, this is a huge game. Like this team has that choking label, um, you know. And you know, Winnipeg early had the lead, and it was like, okay, well, you know, they can pound the rock and, and maybe sustain some drives, and we could see them actually, you know, beat Calgary. Uh, it and then the Eric Rogers show. Uh, it, it was it was it was fun to watch. You want to know what Calgary did uh, to the Blue Bombers in the second quarter that probably changed this game. They had a 15-play, 92-yard, 8 minutes and 2 seconds drive that ended up in a field goal. I mean, (laughs) when you can kill 8 minutes on a drive in the CFL, you are controlling the game. (laughs) And that is going to wear down any defense. You have to get off the field. Um, yeah, you, you can't you can't allow teams to do that to you. It it just kills uh, all of your momentum. If if you had any to begin with, uh, it's really hard to spend that much time on the football field and, and still make plays. Uh, it just kills your entire defense. And I mean, I thought there were some ticky tack calls in this one. A uh, Unnecessary roughness on Taylor Loeffler that I thought was, I mean, if a pass gets tipped at the line, the receiver's basically fair game, and he didn't hit him with his head. He didn't do anything wrong there. I mean, they didn't score on that drive, but uh, the Bomber defenders, it looked like they were struggling a little bit. Marcus Sales had himself a great year, but he took some interference penalties in this one, but you got to try anything you can when, you know, a guy like Eric, Eric Rogers has three touchdowns. You got to try and shut these guys down somehow. 
Yeah, and you know, a lot of times these pass interference calls don't get called. Yeah, so he might be able to get away with it. Um, yeah, last resort. You, you like at that point, you just don't know what you what to do anymore. You're just getting absolutely run over uh, by Eric Rogers and bullied by Mitchell, and, and you just you have to do something. Uh, and and yeah, you give up the yards and everything, but maybe you break up a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, so I get that, but at some like at some point they're they're going to beat you, and, and if that's the only way you can stop them, they're not going to be able to do it all game. Uh, the Calgary offensive line started rough. Uh, it looked like they kind of made some adjustments with their right tackle position because that's where the Bombers were getting to bow in the first mm-hmm. quarter. And, yeah, after that, they just controlled her. Don Jackson had himself 14 carries for 83 yards. Uh, but there's uh, another thing I want to mention about this game. Oh, my. The... Calgary Stampeders, Chris Matthews, took a offensive pass interference penalty in the first half. And I thought it was clearly offensive pass interference. They ran kind of a, a pick play, mm-hmm. but Matthews did not sell it at all. He laid into uh, Ian Wild and, you know, set his other receiver uh, free there. So after that, Dave Dickinson ends up challenging the call and gets shut down but they show Dave Dickinson on the sideline and there's a debate going on as to what he said but either way it kind of seems like he was a bit upset for the officials calling the game in the favor of the Canadian head coach, Mike O'Shea, on the Winnipeg side of the ball. That's what I heard <laughs> in a lot nicer terms. <laughs> for, to uh, use family-friendly language. <laughs> I know. People think he says, are you, are you uh, kidding me? Or are you Canadian? Uh well, that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I heard. I, I, I don't think we can really. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter, but uh, he's not saying he's not like. I I get that he's mad, and and we have found out this year that he is a huge whiner. Oh yeah, so the live it, mic games at least helped us with that. It's I, I almost have to turn it off when he's on the live mic because I can't handle it. Um, he's like your four year old brother who doesn't get his way and just throws a temper tantrum. <laughs> it, it's so brutal. Um, but here we go again with, you know, it's just going to feed into the thing that, you know, oh, the league is against Team A. It's like every fan base thinks that te- the league is against their team at some point. But uh, I never knew coaches did. Yeah, right? So now this is just going to fuel that fire even more. Because this is the way a fan works. If there are 10 penalties in a game, there are seven against one team, three against the other, they think that the refs is out to get them. That's not how it works. They don't just... Not in professional sports anyway. (laughs) They just don't call five plays or five penalties a team just to keep it fair or just to keep it even. If that were the case, there'd be no calls. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't... I'll never believe the only league I think that's fixed is the NHL for obvious reasons but <laughs> uh, you know in, in professional sports I, I, I've never understood 
the thinking of, oh, the league is like, why? Why would the league not want a team to be successful? If if a team is successful, then that's going to make the league more money. So it, it makes zero sense to me. Um, it, I, it's just we see it in Saskatchewan all the time. That it doesn't matter, you know. They they yeah. hate they hate every official, and it, it's okay, whatever. But at some point, it gets a little ridiculous, and you have to look at the game and be like, "Well, no, that is a penalty. Maybe you got that one right, and that one is a penalty." It's like, just shut up. Like, what's the big like? If you if if you think there's a huge conspiracy, you got you got issues because there's not. Now, if you want to think, if you want to think, a, a hockey ref in you know a minor midget league is against the is against the visiting team. You're probably right. You can look yeah, at the game sheet. Probably a case for that. <laughs> you can look at a game sheet and see. Oh, each team had nine penalties, but at one point the away team took eight straight penalties in in one period. It's like mm, nah, I doubt it happened that way. Uh, one more thing I will say about this game. It looks like the Calgary Stampeders have no problem playing the villain in this upcoming Grey Cup. And with the game being in Edmonton, I think that's exactly we what we are going to see Sunday evening at Commonwealth Stadium. Because Dave Dickinson got up on that podium after the game and said, Hey, I know most of Canada wants to see change, and they're sick of seeing the Calgary Stampeders in the Grey Cup. But guess what? It is not happening this year. They're playing the villain heading into this game, and I think they are embracing that. I love a good heel turn. Oh, who doesn't? It's the who best. Who does not love that? <laughs> it is the well, best. Well, I'm not going to – I don't know if that's really a heel turn for the Stampeders. It's more of, you know, a sticking the heels in and reaffirming that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's once you it, – you've already turned, and then you still keep beating the guy with the chair. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Commonwealth Stadium, I, I I know it's only a few hours away from Calgary, but I, I think we're going to see what we've seen the last few years. Uh, overwhelmingly, people in the stands will be cheering for the Ottawa Red Blacks. There mm. is a chance that uh, some Calgary faithful make the trip up the QE2, but I saw more people complaining that it was too cold in Calgary to go out to the game. My stat sheet says there were 29,000 people there. It was plus four. Yeah, uh, I said it two weeks ago. Are we whining about this? 29,000 people, what's wrong with that? Buy a winter jacket. (laughs) We all have them. I think we do. Do you have a toque? I have like four. I have four I have four winter jackets. And, and you know what? I'm probably going to bring one for Grey Cup. You know, that's probably a good plan. Because I didn't in Regina, and that sucked. <laughs> so if we look at the weather uh, heading into the Grey Cup in Edmonton, it might be a bit of a factor. Wednesday in Edmonton, plus nine is the high. Saturday, the high, minus nine. So, <laughs> Sunday at the Great Cup, we're going to have some more whiners, but that is okay. It is the Canadian Football League. That's what I think. Wouldn't it, couldn't it be like Canadian Football League? <laughs> like we're going to totally embrace the, the Calgary heel aspect. 
<laughs> oh, Brazilian tie. How did you do in Pick'em this week? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I went 2-0. and oh. How I, did you I, do I, in I, fantasy? <laughs> I hit it out of the park. Uh, I, had a good, I had a good start with Braylon Addison. I was like, oh, here we go. And then, you know, we'll see Andrew Harris run all over the Calgary defense. And, you know, Nick Dembski get some looks. And none of that happened. Who I had 88.8 points, which is better than two-thirds of my regular season weeks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> with two less players. Uh, but having Trevor Harris uh, and Braylon Addison on my mm. team uh, definitely helped me uh, when it comes to fantasy. When your quarterback gets 38.7 points, that definitely helps. Your quarterback uh, almost outscored my team. Oh, yikes. Like <laughs> And Matt Nichols at 7.2. Ooh. And Nick Dembski at 4.9. Andrew Harris at 12. Like, come on. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> yeah. The fix is I'm in. Wishing, I'm wishing we would have played this one for money because I'm running away in the group. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not even fun anymore. <laughs> Oh, we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. There is a podcast in the network for everyone. Check out Assumptions. Uh, it's a Christian and an atheist having a polite conversation, kind of. Daniel and Kyle are your hosts. And in 2018, when people with opposing views can have a polite conversation, are pigs flying? <laughs> <laughs> So check out Assumptions in the Alberta Podcast Network. The next time we talk to you, we'll be two and out live at the Grey Cup, the CKUA building. Get your advance tickets, two and out live at eventbrite.ca. Uh, tickets, uh, all the money goes towards CFL Fans Fight Cancer. Janine from the Mouchoir Podcast, Ryan from Horseman Radio, and Zach Evans from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will be at 2-0 Live. Brazilian Ty, you're a betting man. I have seen multiple different betting lines online. Uh, the early, early one was Fake Gainer set me at a 3.5-point underdog. Where do you put the line? Well, it all depends on what format we're using. Are we okay. going are we going total pierogies in a time or quickest to eat a certain amount of pierogies? I think we're going to go quickest to eat a certain amount. Uh then I'll take I will take Travis at minus 2 seconds. Ooh. <laughs> Cuz you are the and professional. You, know. you are the professional. And you get three. You get usually get three points at home. So I'm gonna give. You, <laughs> only gonna give you two. Because <laughs> well, you're not quite on home field. And, and I mean, you are the official timekeeper, by the way. Yeah. So I know I'm gonna win this bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have to doctor the video and the time just to. <laughs> oh, what are we, White House staffers? <laughs> Oh, two and out live is going to be a fun, uh, fun, fun time. We're not going to turn anyone away. So if you do want to show up uh, Thursday afternoon, the doors open at three at the CKUA building in downtown Edmonton. Two and out live, Brazilian tie, Travis Cura. We will see you in Edmonton and all weekend long at the Grey Cup. This is going to be awesome. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. See you in Edmonton. Thanks for listening. 
Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.